Hey there, Fletch from All Things Overlanding here, and today I'm going to be talking about something new on the podcast. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, you may notice that I'm changing things up a little bit with the background. Still got a lot of work to do on this, but hopefully this is a little bit more aesthetically pleasing. And if you're listening on the podcast and you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, there will be a link in the description down below. Definitely go check that out too, because there's tons of stuff that doesn't quite make it to the podcast on the YouTube channel as well. And I'd love to have you as a subscriber over there. So check that out. But today I'm talking about innovation versus excess. The innovation that's coming with all the new gear and stuff that's coming with overlanding versus what is excess, right? Like, is it too much? And at what point is it too much? So again, if you want to learn more, if you want to hear more about my thoughts on innovation versus excess in overlanding gear, equipment, vehicles, everything else, stay tuned for more on that. All right, so as I mentioned in the intro today, I'm talking about excess versus innovation, right? In overlanding, whether it's the gear, whether it's the rigs, whatever it is, anything that has to do with like the outdoors camping overlanding that kind of thing and some of this gear that's coming out right like there's some pretty wild stuff and I'm going to kind of talk through some of these examples of these things um, that I've seen that I'm sure you guys have seen in the Facebook groups the you know the the forums things like that all this kind of crazy next level stuff that's coming out and I wanted to get your opinions on it so again if you're on the podcast I know it's kind of hard to leave a comment and stuff there uh, feel free to hop over to Facebook Instagram wherever YouTube of course there'll be a video version of this podcast over there as well so if you want to go over there and hop into the comments I'd love Love to hear from you guys and hear your thoughts. I'm just going to give you my opinions. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. Uh, this may be a little bit controversial. If so, apologies, but I want to hear from you guys in the comments down below. So let's start with, you know, kind of where do we draw the line, right? And one of the things that just came out that kind of made me think of this topic is the new Jackery rooftop tent solar apparatus. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not quite sure what exactly this thing is, but it's sort of this massive panel that is meant to attach to the top of a rooftop tent, and then it has additional solar panels that come out the side. It can produce all this energy from the sun, obviously, and it's meant to be sort of an add-on for like a rooftop tent. But the idea of it is what has kind of made things go a little bonkers in the Facebook groups. But again, it's this massive, like, presumably not super complex, but I mean, still, I'm sure it's gonna be expensive, right? Like to get this kind of solar capability in kind of a modular package that you can attach to the top of a rooftop tent is not gonna be anywhere near as cheap as just buying a couple of solar panels and sort of wiring them up yourself, right? So, you know, what a lot of people say on the Facebook groups and things like that is, you know, hey, the point of overlanding is kind of get away from everything, right? To kind of simplify your life, get out there, turn off the devices, turn off the electronics, and sort of be self-sufficient and enjoy nature, right? Now, I would argue that in this case with like a giant solar panel or solar array, especially if you're doing longer trips or if you're more of like a full-timer, you live on the road, that kind of thing. In that case, I think it makes a ton of sense, right? For someone that goes on overnighters or weekend trips, does it make sense? Again, it kind of depends on the, the cost, right? If it was a really reasonable cost, this thing's 300 bucks, sure right? Can't hurt to have more solar power than you know what to do with. That's not a bad thing to have a ton of solar panels. I'm actually in the process right now 
of doubling my solar input from 100 watts to 200 watts. Now, it's easy, it was low cost, it was like 150-ish bucks for the two panels that I bought, I think even less than that, it might have been closer to 100 bucks. I'll put a link in the description down below to the solar panels I just bought. Um, and then there's a splitter that I bought to basically combine those two panels together and run them into my Red Arc so that they can charge my house battery. The reason that I'm doing that is because I went from 100 amp hours to 200 amp hours on my house battery. And as a result, I've noticed some parasitic loss and things like that from all the different electronics that I've got on it that are starting to sort of take it down, especially now we're in winter, so there's just less sunlight to where I've actually had to plug into shore power a couple times because I've gotten down into like the 70s and 80% because things are just sort of bleeding off the power over a week or two in between trips. And so I'm just going to double my solar input so that I can take as much advantage of that as possible. So... You know, again, I'm not saying anybody's right or wrong here, right? I'm just saying when we get to a point where you're maybe spending $1,000, $1,500, $2,000 on this giant sort of crazy capable solar array that is going to be permanently affixed to the top of your rooftop tent, where do we draw that line, right? What is what is too much? So, you know, I, I could see it both ways. I can play devil's advocate and say, listen, if I'm going to go out and I'm going to go camping for, you know, four days, six days, a week, two weeks... I want to be comfortable, right? And I want to be self-sufficient. That's kind of part of overlanding, right? Is that the whole point is that you can sort of rely on your vehicle. You're not going to get out in the middle of nowhere and run out of gas for your generator. You know, you know, you don't have to go crazy with stuff like that. But if you're mostly self-sufficient and your vehicle can replenish its own electricity to recharge your electronics, to keep your GPS going, to keep your smartphone going so that you've got communications, to run your lights and all that stuff at night, to run a diesel heater if it's winter, that kind of thing, that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? And again, I enjoy innovation. I want things that are more efficient, that are smaller footprint, that take up less room. I also want to maintain my budget, right? And some of these things, like let's say that you were full-time and that you lived on the road and you were able to work remotely and you kind of just, you know, moved from dispersed spot to dispersed spot and kind of were exploring the United States, right? Kind of maybe a dream for a lot of us that are into overlanding. If you had something like that, and uh, even if it is expensive to buy this solar array, if that solar array could solve a lot of your power problems for you and prevent you from having to run the truck and run the alternator and run through fuel and then carry fuel with you and things like that, then that makes a lot of sense to me, right? Like in that case, I think that that's fine. Um, and again, not my place to judge anyone either way, right? There are a lot of people online that want to be keyboard warriors and talk about this is too much and what do you need that for? And your truck's all loaded out. And, you know, people look at my truck and they're like, I'm sure in my suburban area that I live, they see me drive by and they're like, what the heck is all that stuff on that guy's truck, right? Why does he have that big box on the top, the rooftop tent? Why does he have an axe on the side, which I don't keep that on there all the time, but when I'm going on a trip, I do. You know, why does he have that black box in the back, which is my diesel heater? What's that big drawer system? Why does he have a fridge in the back, right? And most of the people don't even know what that stuff is, but they just see it and they're, they're weirded out by it. My reason is it's my daily, right? I bought a brand new 2023 Nissan Frontier. I wanted something reliable, something that got better gas mileage than my old vehicle. It's not knocking my socks off, but it's doing way better than my old truck. And I want to be able to go out as fast as possible. I want to be able to, if my wife says, you have this weekend, go out, hop in and have as much stuff on that truck ready to go as I possibly can so that I can be self-sufficient and I can get out quicker and easier, right? I think that's the same with a lot of these innovative new things, right? Like some of the hard shell rooftop tents. To me, a lot of money, right? I'm not spending $25,000 on a hard-sided rooftop tent or even five dollars or $10,000 on those things because to me, I don't need it, right? I go out, if I'm lucky, I might get one one-week trip a year or two or three, four maybe if I'm really, really lucky. 
But most of the time, I'm doing overnighters. I'm doing quick weekend trips. I want something that's as budget-friendly and as reliable and well-put-together as possible, which is why I went with the Nature Nest Rooftop Tent. Again, I'll put a link in the description to that thing, too. But this thing's a $1,500, $1,600 hard shell, clamshell style rooftop tent. Deploys super quick, tears down super quick. I can get in and out of camp. I can leave it on the truck 24-7. I don't have to worry about it because it's a hard shell tent. It's protected from the elements, things like that. And to me, that makes a ton of sense. And I didn't want to spend $3,000, $5,000 or more on a rooftop tent. Is a hard shell, hard walled rooftop tent really innovative and cool? Absolutely. I love what Redtail's done with it. I think it's a really cool product. Um, I think if you were, again, to if you were living out somewhere and you had sold your house, let's say, and you're like, look, yes, I'm going to spend 150 k on my rig and my rooftop tent and all the stuff that I need for it, my electrical system, everything, the solar then that can make sense to you, right? Like, so again, not judging anyone, not saying what's right or wrong, but saying, where do we sort of draw the line? For me, it's about budget and it's about priorities, right? And I'm gonna get to that in the end. When I do my kind of wrap up at the very end of the podcast here, I'll talk a little bit more about that and kind of how I prioritize and what makes sense for me and what may make sense for you is totally different. Another good example that I wanted to touch on here is Jack's, right? So when I first started, I had a I think 60 or $80, 48-inch high-lift jack. It wasn't even a high-lift brand. It was like a Torin or something like that. Really inexpensive one from like Amazon or I might have gotten it at Home Depot. I can't even remember. But that thing worked fine. I had to use it to jack the truck up once. I got a flat tire, ripped a valve stem out, had to jack it up, throw my spare on. Worked perfectly fine. A little sketchy. Didn't feel the safest. Uh, because I was on concrete, I had limped the vehicle into a parking lot and uh, I didn't have like a traction board that I could use for additional sort of footprint on the bottom of it so I had metal on concrete which made me a little bit nervous but I was just very careful uh kind of kept my eyes on it got the tire changed jacked it back down everything was fine with that right and those things cost less than 100 bucks then you've got you know your pro eagle jacks and the harbor freight version the harbor freight version is a couple hundred bucks the pro eagle version 600 bucks um those things are really nice but then you need mounting points you need all this stuff right they're very innovative they're very cool they have the big meaty off-road tires so that you can use these things safely off off-road uh which i really really like and again that innovation is really cool and there are a ton of people running those type of jacks either the harbor freight or the pro eagle jack right and i'm a little jealous of that because they are they're so nice and they you know can lift a, a modified lifted vehicle which is really nice but then you've got to weigh that out right in the last five years of me doing this i've had to change a tire one time ever and I do a ton of off-roading. I do I air down to 10 or 12 pounds sometimes, especially in the winter and stuff. So, I mean, I've done a number of things, but really for me, from a priority standpoint, I don't have it. And I haven't had a ton of experience where I required some sort of a jack. There's also the ARB sort of hydraulic style jack thing that's like $900. So, I mean, again, there's a ton of innovation out there and it's really cool. And I think it's driving the industry. I think that those really expensive jacks are, are also, you know, impacting the, the lower cost jacks. The Pro Eagle Jack made Harbor Freight make their version of the jack that was much less expensive. That's going to drive prices down, right? Quality goes up, prices go down. So there is definitely some pros and, and cons to come with this innovation stuff. But again, to you, and this is going to kind of tie us into the end here. I'm going to wrap this up with my thoughts on what I think innovation does to overlanding and then how you can kind of take that and process it into your own needs. And that again comes down to prioritization. So when I say prioritization, what I mean is rather than, you know, getting online and bashing someone because they have a $300 or $200 uh, Harbor Freight Jack and saying, well, you could just buy a high lift for 60 bucks, right? Yes, you can. But I think the key here is 
One, everybody's needs are different, right? You can't really judge someone. If someone has a $900 ARB jack, it's really easy to fall into that hole and say, hey man, that guy is not a budget overlander, right? What a turd. How, why, how could you ever spend $900 on that jack? If you do a ton of recoveries, if you're really more of a hardcore wheeler and you're going through that stuff, it may make sense from a priority standpoint because maybe you do a lot of tire changing, working on your vehicle. If you have an older vehicle, sometimes it may make more sense to have better off-road uh, tools and better jacks and things like that because you may need to use it more, right? If that's not a priority for you, don't judge those other people. It doesn't matter what they do. Let them spend their money the way they want, but look at your priorities and say, you know, it does make sense for me to spend a few hundred dollars on this Harbor Freight off-road jack and I'm going to fab my own mount or I'm going to buy this mount for a hundred dollars because I want to have it on the rig all the time. I want to have easy access to it to get it on and off the truck if I need to use it because I use it quite a bit, right? So look at your own priorities. Look at your own sort of needs when you're making these decisions. And again, this is kind of becoming like a lecture and I apologize for that. I'm not trying to lecture anyone, but I kind of just keep seeing so much negativity online where people are judging everyone and saying like, he's clearly not a budget overlander because blah, blah, blah. He has a more expensive truck. He has a newer truck. He has an older truck. He has this, he has that. He has a, a big money lift on it. He has big money tires on it, right? And again, it's hard. It's hard. I, I definitely find myself, I'm a, I'm a cheap tire person because again, for years and years and years of off-roading and now for the last few years of overlanding, I've only once ripped a valve stem out. My tire was perfectly fine, by the way. And with the Colby uh, valve stems, which I'll put a link to in the description as well because I love these things, for like 40 bucks, you get two of these uh, quick uh, trail side repair valve stems that you could use. I could have replaced that without even having to jack the truck up. So again, in the last 10 years of off-roading and four or five years of overlanding, I've had to do one valve stem job basically, which I just replaced the whole tire with my spare because that's what I had. I didn't have the quick Colby uh, valve stems at that time. So again, it's about priority, right? So I, th I think maybe we judge each other a little bit less. We worry less about what everybody's spending their money on. We worry less about whether you've got stuff strapped to your truck or you don't. If you're a tent camper or a hammock camper or a rooftop tent camper, it doesn't really matter. The innovation is interesting to me. And I think that it's good that we have this innovation. These companies are willing to sort of take these leaps to build these more expensive products, even if we don't all use them, right? Um, so... That was kind of my thoughts on that. Again, I think that you may have more of a need for an expensive jack than I would. And if that's the case, then you could buy that. And that innovation that's driving those jacks to be more efficient, safer, is a great thing. Same with hard shell rooftop tents. Same with solar panels. Same with electrical management systems, right? The fact that Red Arc has gone above and beyond a lot of these other companies and built these amazing products has caused companies like a Kickass to build a budget version of that, right? That helps a lot of us out. And if you don't want to go crazy with your electrical, you don't need something that's going to last for 20 or 30 years, there are other options out there like, you know, the kick-ass that I mentioned or other options for power management that you can use that will still get you a similar effect. And you can prioritize those based on your needs and what you want to do in your build-out, which I think is awesome. So again, post up in the comments down below. Tell me your thoughts on innovation versus excess, right? Where do you draw the line? How much is too much? Do you think it's a bad thing that there's all this innovation? I mean, it, could it be hurting the overlanding world because there's a $900 ARB jack that's going to scare people away from thinking, oh man, I can't afford that. There's no way I could do overlanding because I can't get that jack, right? So I want to hear from you guys down in the comments below on YouTube. 
If you are, as I mentioned on the podcast, hop over to YouTube and hop into the comments or hop into Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, wherever you want to follow along and join the conversation. I'd love to have you. Also in the description below will be links to all those products that I kind of mentioned throughout this thing because they're interesting and I've reviewed a lot of them. So if you go to the YouTube channel, you can find videos on all this stuff that I'm talking about as well. Um, also in the description down below will be links to my website where I've got overlanding patches and stickers. If you don't have some of those, definitely check them out. I think they're pretty funny. They're super high quality. The PVC patches are awesome. The stickers are from Sticker Mule, so they're really high quality. They've lasted for years on all my rigs. Um, so for five bucks a sticker and 12 bucks a patch, it's a pretty good deal for that stuff. And if you want some, check those out. And then last but not least, there are links to my Patreon page where if you just want to support the channel, feel free to do that. There's also a 24-7 Discord where we all kind of chat about our rigs and our gear which is a ton of fun and I love talking to you guys. And then there's also the Newbie Overlanders group, which is totally free to join. It's on Facebook. So if you're looking for a place to kind of ask questions and learn and help newbies, if you're more experienced, that would be a great place to join and we'd love to have you. Um, but again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.